uh, Last Man Standing podcast. If you're wondering what you're what you're watching, it's okay. But if you're wondering if you ever get uh, quality analysis of sports and other kind of sports related or non-sports related kind of stuff, well, then you're probably uh, asking the wrong questions because you're guaranteed in this podcast weekly uh, in about in about an hour uh, top-notch analysis of sports across Major League Baseball, NFL, uh, American sports, uh, also the, the mechanics of those sports like the business or, or TV ratings uh, as well as other kind of sports like, like snooker or Formula One or NASCAR, uh, your quality, your guaranteed top quality um, analysis on all those topics. Uh, every every week of in about an hour of podcast here on on uh, on YouTube by me, uh, Taylor Tenov, aka uh, Taylor Gaming. Right now we're we are directing you to this week's edition of Last Man I probably owe an explanation of what it is because it probably heard it for heard it, hearing it for the first time. You may not necessarily be hearing me for the first time, although I'm not awfully popular in any sense of the word among any kind of audience or whatever. Uh, so this is going to be pretty, by my measures anyway, it's going to be pretty, pretty special, pretty, well, say interesting, it's not, it's going to be a, a sports, mostly a sports podcast. But, but it's gonna be having more different focus. I'm gonna have a typical, uh, typical gimmicky or, or really unserious focus on that sports, the sports media overall has to have. It's gonna focus on, on being serious, uh, on being rational, on judging players rationally, judging leagues rationally, judging organizations rationally. By, diff, by by all the means you can see uh, you can you can think of uh, and which which is uh, the which is the why I'm putting the uh, which is I'm putting it from a more personal perspective uh, this podcast I just I believe that's the way it should be and well who am I I'm Peter Tsenov I'm a sports writer for um, Overtime Heroics and uh, and franchise sports overtime heroics. I write for the New York Jets in the NFL department for the Miami Marlins in the uh, in the MLB department. A little bit of general MLB in franchise sports. I write about NFL and MLB in general. I'm also the the, the founder of the first uh, baseball website, first and the only baseball news website in Bulgaria, home run Vega. Which also has a podcast. Everyone who, kn- who knows Bulgarian should go listen to it. And yeah, and, and here we're gonna focus on my co- my two core uh, leagues or whatever, NFL, MLB. We're also gonna focus a lot on professional wrestling and also the business of sports, with something which is which is a lot more interesting than a lot of the on-field stuff. And also the, the TV ratings, especially, uh, especially focusing on sports. And in this first, um, this first um, edition, the pilot episode of our forecast is going to go on and beyond. 
in this uh, in those uh, departments, um, which we're gonna see a we're gonna have. Let's see uh, what we're gonna have tonight. We're gonna uh, we're gonna analyze the Jamal Adams trade from the Jets to the Seahawks. Huge trade uh, in MLB. We're gonna see whether Chicago Cubs' success is sustainable. Chicago Cubs start started. 10 and 4 in their first 14 games. Let's see what they're doing well, what they're doing wrong, and whether what they're doing wrong can can screw up a what seems to be excellent season in a division that's getting easier by the day. We're gonna review the week's latest wrestling shows, which for uh, for this week are gonna be Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, NXT. We'll have NXT starting next week. We might have Impact. Depends. Uh, we're gonna ha we're gonna look at how Major League Wrestling Fusion has developed uh, since it was since it started uh, since it premiered on Bean Sports in April 2018, and we're gonna uh, break down the latest uh, let's say point of to uh, talking point, latest topic uh, related to sports TV ratings. This all of this tonight on the first edition of the Last Man Standing podcast, so we'll, we'll get to the show. Well, I guess with this being my first show, I have some, some, I have actually a lot of explaining to do about what the format will be and how we're gonna do all of this on a weekly basis and that. So, Something there's not there. Something you have to know. And there will be a lot of probably three things because I mean there will be a slice from a from my kind of perspective from the things I am uh, an expert and I'm probably like have the knowledge of explaining and not generalizing. But generally three topics, three fields of interest, three fields of really uh, expertise. Uh, we have NFL, we're gonna have MLB, we're gonna have pro wrestling, we're gonna have other things, we're gonna have guests. Uh, we're gonna have other things. So, as I said in the intro, later to sports business, to TV ratings, as we're gonna have uh, later tonight, later in this show. Um, but now, these are the three main things. And I want, I want, I'd like to start. And I, I'm, I'm actually looking to have something to start a, a boom type of news. That's not news, it's old news, but we have not, we have not uh, broken it down yet. Um, uh, in, in the NFL, as you know, for overtime heroics, I am a, uh, I'm a jet driver, so this is pretty much what I, uh, what I follow on a, on an everyday basis. On an everyday basis, it was has been a little quiet but the season is really getting uh, closer and closer so there will be a lot of news so we can have extra things on this show as well as on all of the places where I write but whatever everybody, everybody who follows the NFL probably knows that Jamal Adams was uh, traded last week or a couple of days earlier but whatever to the Seattle Seahawks uh, here it is the official deal was Bradley McDougall and a fourth round pick in 2022 going to New York 
I'm going to, to Seattle actually. Uh, in exchange for Bradley McDougald, Seattle's uh, starting safety. They had two, two first round picks, 2021 2022, as well as a third round pick in 2021, which was a really interesting deal, one of the most interesting since the, since the, the draft uh, really ended. So, this reserve deserved a lot of um, really anal analyze, analyzing, uh, and I think that's the right, that's the perfect way to start uh, an ambitious podcast like mine, which I really aim to have every kind of segment be high quality and be have a really great focus on things and have a really great uh, focus on topics. And this one is a perfect topic to just um, go off. So Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, as you know, the the big guy to lead the Jets, um, the Jets secondary. He was, uh, despite being a safety, he was the team's um, best overall uh, uh, pass defender. Uh, Marcus May was really the the, the 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 guy who really played more in the uh who played more uh on deep balls and because Jamal Adams used on a lot of blitzes but Marcus May uh had he plays on deep balls but he really wasn't wasn't involved even in those kind of situations at Jamal Adams and, and yeah, Jamal Adams has a better allowed passer rating uh, last year on those kind of situations when protecting, when being a defender in pass coverage. Jamal Adams, 75.2 allowed pass rating on 38 targets. Marcus May with a 103.8 passer rating on 32 targets. 50% completion percentage, 55 against Adams, but still a lot of a lot of performance a lot better for Adams than for May. Um has even been able to be consistent in doing that. His pass uh, rank was 74.7 the previous year in 60 targets. And he's even had more targets than May. So May um, it's it's really 30, 32 targets it's, it's not that it's not much. That isn't that many. It it's enough to have some kind of uh, to give him credibility, but it doesn't. Um, well, it, that is a, a bad passer a passer rating to give a credibility to, uh, but still leaves a lot of room for regression to the mean. While Adams has a really good chunk of. Um, Target number of targets, number of work, amount of workload uh, to give credibility to a, a, a really good passer rating uh, over his last two of All-Star uh, Pro Bowl seasons. So what a what a great acquisition! Um, what a great player for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, let's just say that before we jump to the before we jump to the trade. So let's. If we look those, uh, if we break down each of the assets involved in this deal, was 
the stocks or whatever you want to call them. Um, Jamal Adams in a fourth round pick um, are probably now looking at it are probably less than McDougall and two first rounders, um, which is why it's uh, it's. It's, it's it's difficult for Joe Douglas to uh, to refuse uh, to say no to that kind of a deal. But it's, to some extent, however, it's also not that difficult for uh, the Seattle's uh, to, to the Seattle to John Schneider to to give to give to offer that kind of a deal because it it doesn't hurt to see how that much and they might have won the game of the inefficient market at the end of the day. Uh, because, and we got, you gotta give Barney McDougall some credit here, which was some, which was actually what I'm, I was, what I was gonna wanna start off with, but I, I noticed I hadn't opened, uh, hadn't opened his ProFootballReference.com page. Um, you gotta give him some some pretty some pretty some pretty some pretty good credit here. He has been terrific. He has been terrific, and nobody. Not many people have um, talked about that. I think his contract currently is, uh, I don't know, I don't know when it expires, but if he was a free agent this year, if he had been a free agent this year, he would have been a, a uh, bargain type of player. Although he, he actually makes quite, even a premium, uh, 13 and a half. Uh, Year to kind of have me on deal, so like, like he is worth um, he's worth a lot more money because he has a uh, his last year he was good getting 58.8 pass rate with 57 um, 57 targets which is enough to establish thirty such a good number. But, uh, you know, the, all the concerns about how the previous week had 110 pass range on 60 targets, uh, but, but he was terrific in for Seattle, for Seattle last year and um, with him being uh, 29 years old, he's actually more uh, more likely to have his prime in front of him. So, the Jets might get a, an even better display from McDougall in the remaining two years of the contract. As much as also you, you, every team would love to have, would love to, would love the sight of seeing two first round picks uh, when offered a trade by another general manager. Because this looks big. Uh, but in reality, the Jets are losing. Well, just not losing much in uh, the typical functions of a safety and Bernard Dillard and Marcus May, if they are what they were last year, uh, Marcus May has to do obviously he has to do what he was in 2018 with, uh, uh, with a bigger amount of workload obviously, so he has to... So, Marcus May is unproven, that, that's, that's in short. Brian uh, is still is also is also not uh, proven, but he but he's more but he's uh, held 
that closer to, to being proclaimed as solid or even great uh, safety. So there is and both a young for have their prime in front of them. So they we have uh, they are they're less likely to regress to mean they're more likely to experience following three to five years experience the prime the best statistical years where they will have good stats with a quite good with a quite big uh, workload which is gonna as they said make this task more credible. But the, the Jets uh, have lost six, uh, and these are usually from a safety and even from a good blitzing safety the the the, the stats, the, the production you lose you lose only when looking at uh, sacks is not that much. But the Jets, and that's how good Jamal Adams is, Jets six and a half sacks. And that's the team that has the thirty the twenty third uh which is actually the the ninth or the tenth worst uh fast rushing unit in the whole league. Which is probably it's gonna probably make it difficult from McDougall to be uh, anywhere near uh, or to be better than uh, Jamal Adams in the next five years. So that's really making it difficult for the Jets to say that this r replacement, this uh, replacement of Adams with Douglas, is really gonna give a lot more dividends if you ha uh, than if you haven't if you haven't uh, made that deal. And then the, fir the two first round picks. On the one hand, uh, two first round picks seems like a lot. It is probably a lot if you're looking from a Seattle Seahawks standpoint, because uh, you would have you would have gotten in for a first, considering that it wasn't a stocked uh, stack. Uh, uh, Candidate least, candidate list. It was our four teams from at least from last year. Kurt Founders had a list of eight teams, but only four were were interested. In what we were reading because the Seahawks, it was Ravens, and for the most time we we, we had been hearing rumors about the 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 Cowboys and the Eagles. And probably those those other two teams were were. Uh, capable of offering one first round pick at best, and by adding McDougal, by adding little, uh, other little assets, you might have actually been able to get him for a first. Uh, so, two first rounds for McDougal is a lot. It's definitely, it's definitely close to saying uh, that's uh, overpaying for him. Uh, from sorry for reason that because do not have first round, which is uh, not always a problem. The Seahawks are a really balanced team; they have drafted well, and now they have really few holes in their team. On the other, on the other hand, those first rounders are not don't have a don't they actually might not have the value of a first round pick because the Seahawks 
are probably gonna be among the the last eight remaining teams in the next two, in the next two seasons, uh, which means it's probably gonna be above 25. It's more likely it's gonna be above 28. It's gonna be between 28 and 32. And with Seattle becoming an even uh, even more serious of a Super Bowl contender, I'm kind of going to be closer to 23 than closer to 28. So that doesn't really uh, indicate that they don't. Uh, even if Jamal Adams, worst case scenario, he's injured for out up for the season, and even without him, they're probably a top four team in the league. They're top top. Okay, uh, you go into the championship game doesn't mean you're a top four team, but they're still probably going to uh, the championship game because they're a whole lot better than they were last year. Best case scenario, and, uh, and without him, if you, if you didn't get him, you go to the championship game, and you get a, a, a 28, not 18 or 29, or 29 or 20, uh, 30, you get players that probably not the uh, game changers, players in the top 10 are going to be. Uh, on the other hand, Getting Adams gets you a lot closer to a championship. It makes you a, it makes you a, a probably the best. Uh, Seattle have the one of the best rosters, one of the best starting list of players in the league. And Jamal Adams makes them. They were already a contender. Maybe it makes them a favorite in the NFC. The Seattle looked like the most overpowered team last year, and they proved. They they, they 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 proved it last year, and by by, night, by being better, it's only it only makes sense to say that they're the favorites. So Jamal, the addition of Jamal Adams, uh, the addition of Jamal Adams, uh, probably out outmatches. Uh, the, the departure, the subtraction of two first round picks. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's probably it's, uh, it's probably evening it out having two first round picks. Um, it means that you, by getting Adams, and even by getting the best of Adams, you haven't uh, you haven't traded away too much. But if they had if they had really traded a first round pick with a third round pick uh, in 2021, then I think they would really have a um, an amazing, amazing, amazing deal. Uh, because they they would have exploited the, the so-called inefficient market and they would really trade, if they, want, if they win a championship, you trade, you trade, basically it, it doesn't yeah, it, 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 if, if you win a championship, you have to turn two and really have. If you don't have, it's really make it really no different from a second round pick. And the difference between a first round pick and a second round pick for any team on paper is valued a lot different. If you, if, you, if you put a second round pick in there, if if you have, if those were two second round picks, Joe Way, Joe Douglas would say, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And he would have just slammed the. 
the to get the um, uh, phone to get the mobile phone. Uh, but still, it uh, you traded away a couple of a uh, couple of uh, small earthly they valued but still highly valued for some for some reason on the mar on the inefficient market assets for a player that uh, probably on paper uh, probably on paper uh, is is probably making up for the fact that you have a couple of assets added into this deal a couple of assets which look which look a lot but his importance on that kind of a team with his stats and the credibility that those stats outline the two first round picks together, outline McDougald and even if you compare the last season Jamal Adams adds sacks to another bad pass rushing unit so this is why Seattle uh, won the trade the Jets not a bad trade for the Jets. It's not a bad trade for the Jets. They need as much top 32 picks as they can get because probably now by trading away Adams, you're even you're even uh, you're even further away from contending. I think they were probably uh, considering that they have a lot of uh, cap space to use in the next 2-3 years, they were probably 2-3 years away from contention. Okay, they were they were less, they are now at least 3 years, three years from contention, so you better use those two first round picks wisely because uh, they are no longer a luxury, they are what you rely on to become contender. Because you won't be able, you probably won't be able to get that many good free agents. Because you needed less, you need fewer additions with Adams, and now you need a lot more. So you're probably m uh, closer to rebuild, to rebuild, then you're closer to uh, having a couple of uh, free agent, sorry, a good, a good free agency periods. So it ended up giving Jets assets that they will use perfectly but they traded away player that from any kind of perspective put a lot of uh, had a, a huge um, contribution and a huge in a lot and the big production so his value was quite big um, and they got further away from contention and two first round picks uh, and Draft capital gets you a lot further from contention than uh, free agents do, but free agents are more difficult to get, and now it's, it will be more difficult for them to get uh, a replacement for Adams, as well as the the that awful wide receiving core that they have to fix because now they have Quincy and Ninwa released. They have Bouchard Perriman uh, and Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims and the uh, and the else is just a shithole. And then it's uh, then it's a couple of.
cornerbacks as well. So, well, you can see just get to valuable assets and are even further to contention and those valuable assets might not even make that a makeup for how far how farther they have gotten. So the Seahawks, what a what a great what a great blood and guts move to make. Uh, they're now one of the like, top two favorites in the NFC. So a terrific, terrific really trade for the Seattle Seahawks out of nowhere. Um, yeah, they've given us some pretty good uh, stuff to talk about here on the first edition of Baseball is currently running wild and for a guy like me that's been long involved in MLB and take that in any way you want, it's, it's, a, it's um, a, a, in a rare sense a pretty busy time or pretty in, in, in an interesting way in the sense of it being interesting. Uh, because as some of you may, not, may know, some of you may not know, uh, I write for the Miami Marlins on Overtime Heroics and a general MLB writer. I write for, for everything MLB. I don't want to call it general, I want to call it everything MLB because that, that's really what it is. That's a more reflective term, but whatever, that doesn't, doesn't really matter. And, but, but I am not actually a Marlins fan, I'm a Mets fan. So um, I have to extensively follow those two teams as well as the rest of the league pretty much which is not difficult, it's never been difficult and after that the fact that the 60 game season every day is a lot the, the, the one day and one game by itself for a team or for the league uh, have much more meaning than it, it, it has ever had because we've never had 60 games in a season which, which makes it a lot more interesting it would have. It wouldn't be interesting if it was every season 60 games. It would have just been a bad business plan, or rather, a lot worse business plan than um, than only than than they than they had. Because that's been uh, many people have said the league is not very profitable, but um, any kind of. Um, hope that for, for an owner when he buys a team that he can have he can turn a profit, he can be successful uh, running a team and financially I'm, I'm speaking, it is because of that big schedule which tracks um, probably 70 million uh, fans yearly it was, it, was it, it, it reached uh, about 8 million in 2008, and it went down to 67. In 2018, it went down again. Which probably goes to show that um, if the games were uh, if the games were fewer, it will, the average attendance would probably be would probably been higher. But that doesn't mean, and you, you can ask people who understand business probably that the revenue would have probably not been a lot uh, would have not been a lot higher. It wouldn't even be uh, 
the revenue per game would not be NFL type of revenue per game um, if MLB even if MLB teams played 16 games uh, because uh, because the, the, the TV deals are bigger the stadiums are bigger the, the tickets are probably more expensive not probably they are surely more expensive than uh, in the MLB uh, so it is what drives that any kind of haul for uh, for the for for those big contracts pretty much not just because big contract for, for those uh, interests business people have buying a team uh, which, which which is what drew, uh, driven that financial success of the league becoming a phenomenon like the other professional, professional sports leagues and what better in that, in that interesting of a season to then to look at some of the newly found, newly established contenders in the league because oh believe me they are there there are there are gonna be a lot whether I uh, successfully found uh, I successfully predict who they are gonna be and you have to know I uh, it's not just made up stuff uh, some of you you don't know it because I haven't uploaded them I picked three teams to be uh, after the first week of games, first ten, ten days of games. I said three, uh, I picked three teams, so we are gonna really go over those three teams and probably more. Uh, it depends. On, it all depends on whether we have a league in three weeks, uh, a season running. That's what I'm trying to say. It all depends on what the news are. It, it could be suspended. It, it, well, there isn't a scenario in which it's suspended and not cancelled, but still, if we have a leak running in three weeks, I mean, we may, we may take a look at other surprise contenders, uh, although we, it's actually better to, to be more versatile in the topics, but, um, but more, but have more recency in what you're talking about. Uh, but, but yeah, what I'm talking about, I picked three teams, I picked three teams, uh, in my in the other podcast, in Bulgarian Home Run Vega podcast, uh, in in the, in the Bulgarian, as I said, I'm running a Bulgarian baseball site, the first in the only Bulgarian baseball site in, in the country. And I picked three teams. Those were the Oakland Athletics, which we are going to take a look at in two weeks, the Colorado Rockies, which we are going to take a look with our special guest, Luke Zimmer from Overtime Heroics, next week. Next week's show, next Saturday, next Saturday to uh, 2 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Bulgarian time. And today we're going to take a look at uh, probably the, the contender uh, I have the most faith in. The team I usually have a lot of faith in, uh, and a lot of people actually tend to have faith, faith in when they start off strong. And it used to be for not for many years, but Really, until until recently, it was a team that seemed to, if they get it going, if they have a good year, they have a really good year. I mean, they made a World Series, then they got to an NLCS second time. They were knocked out by a terrific, one of the, probably one of the best NL sides ever in the 2017 Dodgers. Then there was yeah last year, 
when the Chicago Cubs, well, they were, for the better part of the season, they were the, the favorites to win it all in Indiana Central to get the division crown. They were first in the, uh, the All-Star break, I think. Then they collapsed, and uh, by by the last day of the season, there were two teams that were battling out for the division crown, but the Chicago Cubs, they were involved in that in that battle, but they didn't uh, they didn't compete. It was between the eventual champions, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, who would go on to reach the NLCS, losing to the Washington Nationals, and the other team was the Milwaukee Brewers, who went on a terrific September run without Christian Yelich. But the club seemed to somehow starting uh, to start to be starting good again, and now the Cubs don't even be don't even need to be first place in a one half type of season. They need to be the first place after 60 games, and they will get one of the top three seeds in the National League. It's fair to say that the Cubs have done a relatively good job because they are 10 and 4 after uh, because they're 10 and 4 in first place in, L in the NL Central after after their first 14 games. Their rotation has been terrific. They are they are good hitters. They're important hitters. Have, with exception of Chris Bryant, have all resurged and have provided an enormous spark. And the numbers more than show it, more than speak about it. Many, in most senses of, of the word, their bench is good enough, I guess. Not that, not that if you don't have serious problems, not that you really need that to a God Almighty extent. Uh, the rotation has been terrifically good. We're gonna focus on that in the next couple of minutes. Oh, but they're bullpen, and if something. And I still wouldn't predict that the Cubs, they are still a surprise contender. They're not a team, I think, output above the seven best teams in the league because their bullpen is awfully god, god almighty trash. It is really awful. It is really bad. It is the worst bullpen in the league. Maybe not by... Uh, by by the, the amounts of far it was mm, three days ago but uh, okay let's look it up to be precise let's look at the numbers the numbers speak more uh, okay the Cubs have actually moved to the third worst uh, and now the third worst bullpen but they are still having a uh, bullpen array of 7.3 which is somehow Better than the rest, better than the Phillies, but it's 7.30 uh, bullpen rate. Third worst in the league. They have literally no names you can believe in that they will, that they they can um, get it going. That you can be terrifically, uh, terrifically that can be trustworthy because there are now there are no okay it's not about names we all know it's not about names but in their case it seems like it's not about stats either 
because Craig Kimbrough, he has not, he has only been featured in four games. He has a near array of 23.63, by far the worst, by far the most disappointing performance that a reliever has had in the last calendar year since he was signed by the Cubs after the All-Star break last year. But uh, in addition to that, you know, Rowan Wick has been somewhat good uh, as a closer. We have Jeremy Jeffress, who has not allowed a run in six innings, which is pretty good. Mm. But nobody... Okay, the results... The results are not pretty. The three true outcomes in that bullpen are pretty as well. There is nobody in the top five relievers or the top most used relievers listed currently that has more st more than seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And there is only one who has less than 1.5 uh, walks per nine innings. The the guy without the walks is Kyle Ryan. But he still has an ERA of 7.71. Ryan Capera has an ERA of 6.23. He has 16 strikeouts per nine, but he, but he allows 2.1 home runs per nine. Dwight Underwood, ERA of nine, he allows three uh, home runs per nine innings. And he also allows 4.5 walks per nine innings. Which is which only goes to show that it's probably going to get worse. And the Cubs really need a, a huge start by their starter, by, by their rotation. They have, they have got it so far to a pretty good extent. Uh, apart from having one of the best uh, ERAs, uh, starter ERAs, they also have the second most pitched a uh, second most uh, innings pitched by by their starting rotation with 76.1 which which can which points out that they are they are actually indeed uh, capable of overcoming those uh, those problems so John Lester he for the biggest part he's not a liability he's probably not gonna probably shown that he will not not have a, a really bad campaign, but he's still a top guy. The, the, the top guy in that rotation. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, the terrific starter, had a complete game on opening day, but he overall is pretty good. So he only threw, because he, he has less than a walk per nine innings, less than a half of home run per nine innings, he doesn't get much strikeout, he doesn't get many strikeouts. But the reserve, but the results are are, are there really because he, he he's really a mistake-free pitcher. Not just he, he doesn't just have stuff as some people inside the industry call it. But he's a risk-free asset, which who who, ha who made a pretty good turn uh, turnout last year, and he's probably heading that way again. The the big questionable mark question marks which have outperformed so far: Hugh Darvish, Tyler Chadwood, Alec Mills. 
Um, Alec Mills is somehow somehow has an area of 1.38, although he allows almost four walks per game, and he does less than uh, he makes less than five strikeouts per nine innings. Let uh, let let he's one of those pitchers you, you say. Let's say he has. Uh, uh, he has overperformed so far, but nothing indicates that this is gonna this is gonna hold. But Tyler Chadwood and you Darvish are, are are guys that have seemingly gotten it going. So at least the one through four of the Cubs starting rotation is, is having a terrific season, having a terrific terrific season, and the ERA part of the equation shows that. In really well, apart from Tyler Chadwick, who's really had one bad start. But apart from that, the Cubs, the Cubs rotation has been pretty, pretty good so far. And going to the to the uh, to the to the lineup where the Cubs are also a, a top team, top 15, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, more the, the most important thing so far, a few of them. Ian Happ, Kyle Schwarber have have made a terrific, probably not a career turnaround, but they have overperformed the 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 expectations that were not too high after last season, and you also see Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, and Javier Baez playing pretty well. Yet again, and they are just proving again how they can perform, how how they can perform uh, when having a big workload to make sure to, to show that their success is credible, and it is no this is no different. Um, this is no different when they play they, when they have to play less games, uh, fewer games. This is just gonna make the dividend make the dividend bigger for the team in terms of wins but one thing to point out is that uh, the Cubs they don't steal a lot of bases they have just three stolen bases so far and they're pretty, a pretty good team when it comes to uh, extra base hits when it comes to uh, hitting for power and they also reach base a lot because uh, don't forget the, the average on base percentage across MLB last year was 323, uh, 323. The average batting average was uh, somewhere along the lines of 240. And you have uh, guys who have played regularly. You have Contreras, Rizzo, Schwarber, Hap, and Caratini who's played. Okay, he has more than 30 uh, plate appearances. Anyway, uh, th th here are four, gu uh, five guys who are in most most of the lineups. Most days are so they are everyday players. They are doing a pretty good job reaching base. That's why guys like Rizzo, guys like uh, Schwarber, and even Caratini and Ian Happ. Uh, are, are so valuable. Ian Happ has a 409 
on base percentage, which is absolutely sensational, 622 uh, swing percentage, which for a slugger, uh, friendly slugger focus league like today's MLB is pretty solid. And Ian Happ is a is a pretty good player, uh, and now providing a wild card, a real wild card in the Cubs lineup. And this is no, um, it is no surprise why the Cubs lineup is so good. The Cubs are one pretty deep team. They have really they have few holes, and even those holes are questions, question marks. They are not players which are necessarily heading downwards. The uh, players that you will will not under any kind of circumstances see bouncing back or the guys who are having success you'll see holding those success those are guys like Alec Mills guys like Nico Horner or Javier Baez who need to bounce back like Chris Bryant Chris Bryant who, ha who has had a pretty bad start and the Cubs for them for two-thirds of their team is probably one of the most solid teams in the National League and the other third is the, one of the worst teams in the National League uh, but they're still able for the most part to uh, to overcome that and by, by having overcome that uh, having overcome that they seize, uh through the first 15 games they might have they, they, they could have um, gotten through the worst so it surely cannot get much worse. The, the bullpen is probably going to be off for the rest of the season, which is uh, the probably the only reason why you you can't see them winning the even going through the worst going on a long long playoff run. But they they, they will be a extremely good team in this um, in this regular season. And they're uh, if I had to predict a a uh, NL Central champion as of uh, August, August the 8th, Saturday, August the 8th, it would probably be the Chicago Cubs because the, the Cardinals, God knows if they're going to play again this season because way too many of their games have been postponed, most are, not most, but some are probably going to be cancelled because there's not enough time until September 27th for them to play, to play most of them. They'll it does the case. It, it does the case. They'll probably have to play a lot of nine-inning games. Either way, uh, the the Brewers they've lost their rotation. They have a subpar bullpen, which which is better than last year. And they have a lot of drop. They have dropped their production offensively in a massive way. They've lost production after getting rid of or losing Mike Mustakas. Christian Yelich hasn't had a good start of the season. The, the Brewers are all, all, all over the place, they've had a pretty bad start. Um, and, and stats speak louder than, than, than any kind of... Uh, than any kind of speculation. Uh, also, also adding to that is the fact that the Cincinnati Reds have disappointed massively so far. Mostly because of their bullpen, by the way. Their rotation has been pretty good. Um, Castellanos and Mustakas have been pretty good, and it's that bullpen. It's, it's, really, it's interesting how 
team, two teams like the Cubs and the Reds, they have had um, the rotation for the Cubs for both teams has been pretty good. The, the, the Cubs lineup is probably better right now because of the fact that they have a lot more solid hitters, a lot more reliable hitters. Uh, they're drawing a lot of walks, they're getting a lot of base runners, which gives them a lot of opportunities and a lot of easy opportunities to drive in runs. So their their production is pretty high. They make a lot of opportunities. They are they're constantly having opportunities. They're a balanced team. They're a balanced team. Uh, pitching rotation is probably at the same level at its best. The the rest rotation is a lot better. Um, and the bullpen is the the Cubs bullpen is supposed to be a lot worse. But somehow the rest bullpen is is. Um, Cubs bullpen is actually the Cubs are able to overcome that bullpen while the red the Reds bullpen has been has been blowing it for them, which 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 only goes to show why the, a lot of the blame has to go to the um, to the offense, not that not to the extent that not to the extent that uh, not enough work was done because a lot of work was done. Mike Mustakas, Shogwa Kiyama. Nicholas Castellanos, and they've all played well since the start of the season. It's just the fact that maybe the Reds will need a lot more work, and until that work really materializes, materializes the Cubs, which is going to be next offseason probably, and but until then the Cubs, they're ready to take over the division, because in that short span, they have a lot of players who are having terrific seasons, they're looking like they're probably gonna st stay in that fashion because, as I said, starters are re uh, have pitched risk-free. Although not everybody is a 10 strikeout per nine guy, you can see the fact that nobody allows a lot of home runs and nobody draws a lot of nobody gives away a lot of walks. That's why the results are on point. They are also constantly, um, also constantly. Drawing walks, getting people on base, which is a wider production, uh, and they're not risking a lot of base runners. That's also important, which is why a lot of a lot of opportunities equal a lot of runs. And the fact that both of these components work show why the Cubs are terrifically balanced, balanced team this year. At the, at the time being, um, everybody is pretty pretty much getting their value higher by the day. When it comes to rotation and the and the starting pitching, so if the starting pitcher doesn't get even more dramatic of a fall down, the Cubs should be the most should be one of the most balanced teams in the National League. They're probably the most the, the only team that is not ter ter terribly one-sided when it comes to competence on the offense on the defense. Not the defense. What the fuck am I speaking? What the fuck am I talking? Uh, and and pitching uh, out of the NL Central, the Cubs are probably the best bet right now to win the central and only time will tell but I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty good in that prediction stay tuned for the rest of the show but the, the Cubs are gonna be good remember that also while listening to the the wrestling reviews of the week which is coming up next okay quick break guys from the last missing podcast to tell you about next week when we have not one, but two guests. We'll be talking about snooker again as we approach the final. 
and as well as we will have a guest in our Major League Baseball segment where I'll be alongside uh, my co-OTH writer Luke Simon who is a Colorado Rockies uh, writer so we'll be focusing on a team that has also reached 10 wins as uh, as of Saturday August the 8th and a team that's also perfectly fits the category of a surprise contender we also have the latest on NFL we will be uh, having a, a show overlook of NWA power so join us next week again on Saturday uh, on Saturday August the 16th and enjoy the rest of the show okay guys time to get down to the reviews of the top uh, wrestling shows of the week I had mentioned that we we're gonna, we were gonna discuss on a weekly basis here Raw, Smackdown, AEW Dynamite and NXT however for reasons beyond my comprehension we're not gonna have um, NXT this week so analysis of NXT or whatever will start uh, will will be featured in the wrestling uh, review starting next week because now we're gonna have Raw Smackdown and AEW so let me just it, it probably it will be better uh, okay we're finishing off with who, uh, which the best show was so this week we say it's it doesn't need I don't I don't need deep analysis to tell to say that Dynamite blew, uh, blew off Smackdown and was it was a lot better than Raw as well although Raw was um, it was Raw solid it was not uh, uh, impressively solid for its own standards because Raw has been a lot better than Smackdown but Smackdown was awful even by its by its own standards and the best and probably least um, least subjective kind uh, of component to to judge the three shows is the amount of wrestling so you saw it there is there is no doubt there is tremendous wrestling on AEW there is good wrestling on Raw and there is terrible it's not that wrestling is necessarily terrible on Smackdown it's the fact that I mean they had five matches three of which finished in a disqualification they didn't have a clean finish one of them was, was a squash uh, Cesaro versus Lindsay Dorado, and the third show was uh, uh, the, the the fifth match was a pretty bad match between Sheamus and uh, between Sheamus and um, King Corbin. So there is these are there are two hours of, and I guess I'm starting with SmackDown uh, talking those things. So let, let's start SmackDown anyway, um, and. They have a two hours of complete waste of time because reach a wrestling program which will will expect the people who produce it to focus on wrestling is improved is improving through time. Although you need to build up the matches, you need though this building up um, component. You need the entertainment. You always, you always, um, you always have more wrestling than 
than, than this kind of stuff, than building your matches and talking segments, which was also a pretty big part of why the main event of Extreme Rules was such a failure. It had actually saw a comment, and not I don't I don't trust those kind of comments. I just agree with that. I, I don't trust comments. I don't trust comment section. They show it. There in nowhere. There in nowhere a reflection of anything. If you if you go on a mainstream uh, Facebook account or whatever, and you click a comment section, try not judge a situation by those by the those comments. Uh, be damn right. Be uh, know that you'd be damn right if you if you if you thought that this is a waste that you would not actually be able to correctly judge the situation by, by looking at those at those comments uh, at this comment section. Uh, but but I saw it was it was something I agree with. I just saw it. I don't know. It was that it had nothing said. Nothing said like main event like talk. And it reached, it it had virtually had no rest in the swamp. It had like a, some fight, but didn't have wrestling, and had too much talk, too much talking. And the fact that people that this receives a bad reception makes it clear that. Whoever, whatever player on the market prioritize, prioritizes wrestling, he would be fine, at least. <coughs> he, he's able to actually uh, build up their character, build their, their characters both in the ring and uh, in, in non-wrestling segments. Then they might be even better. They might, they might be even greater than just fine, like AW and like Impact has started to do. But when you don't have any kind of rest, I'd, I'd rather be New Japan and have just all wrestling without entertainment. Although you cannot, you that's not healthy for 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 your development as a company and as a show. But I'd rather have that than have SmackDown this week or any kind of any kind of you know show that features not a single good match. And the the first match started off well, Riddle and. Rido and Sheamus, and then it was a really great match. They just had a run, run in by Shorty G, which uh, who is even he, he's barely connected in the storyline. He's just a guy that King Corbin says you have to. I'm giving you some kind of a chance, although he's no way related to what the fuck Corbin's gonna give him. Also, they ended in a disqualification. Cesaro and Dorado is a um, uh, is a is a squash, which I would actually not expect because they're trying to build them as a team, to build them, but build them as a credible team, which means that they have to have good matches. You cannot just put them against wrestlers and then just have them lose like that. It makes really no sense uh, for a team going forward. The display Dorado put on against Cesaro, the display Granite uh, uh, Lake put on the week prior against AJ Styles for the Intercontinental Championship. So you would struggle to find the logic here. Next up, we have another disqualification. In another run-in between Hardy and 
Corbin and another another uh, really angle which, which makes no sense but, but it's enough of a disappointment to say that the fact that it has no rest and is it is a it's pro is a problem in itself and Sheamus and Kyrie Corbin was an impromptu match which was really bad because Corbin is a not a good wrestler and Sheamus is a past his prime but it's it's a good average ma match for a, for a SmackDown I guess and then you had something that's supposed to be the main event but I don't really know what it is um, it was it was should have been a good match it was a good match until Mandy Rose appeared she attacked Sonya Deville nothing happened then they got into the ring and the 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 bell just rang for no reason and yeah they call it no contest why the fuck why the fuck I don't know and then they have it was so so bad of a show any wrestling fan who any, any person who turns on that kind of program knows that he's watching wrestling. And when he turns on the program and has, he sees no wrestling, then we have a problem. I, I, I'd rather him see too much wrestling than no wrestling. And that, that kind of a bad show that in the feature, a single good man that featured three disqualifications, a a bad squash match and another average match with a couple of not interesting segments like Stephanie McMahon appearing for for no reason to just just talk something that makes no make no fucking sense why for no reason she asked them to just call them and then she, then they talk something that seemed almost unrelated to the fucking storyline so it made no sense I'm gonna batch of even retribution appearing couldn't uh, which was a which uh, which actually maybe maybe it's establishing them although they didn't attack any anybody noteworthy because David, uh, the SmackDown roster it's so small it's so it's all it lacks depth so, so much that they don't actually have if if, if you passed two hours of the show you get to the main event then everybody else is uh, the night's finished for them. And you have to attack the people who are in the ring already. There is nobody who they can attack because they don't have a fucking roster for a main event. And for for that measure, they had Morrison. They had the two trios of the of the previous match, which also was a no contest or whatever the fuck it was. Just fight it out in the in the backstage. So there was nobody in the ring. And they, the only notable people who they attacked were Cole and Graves. But, okay, but it still, it still was the best part of the show. But it, in no way, it, it, does it have the value? <coughs> excuse me, does it have the value to save that kind of a show? It's a pretty bad show. Quickly moving on, Raw was good at yeah, two matches, especially Cruz and MVP. Match has a lot more upsides, like the champions, who they have, they have built the one really well. Apollo Crews, they they are going to build him. 
and they have also they also have a great faction herd business raw underground was a success considering that it also helped uh, put over the herd business and we're gonna see them involved in it more uh, more and more often um, Kay and Royce versus Morgan and Riot was also a great match it advanced the storyline pretty good match um, yeah uh, McIntyre and Orton set for next week uh, Baszler and Banks was disqualification but but it was some it was again a storyline for storyline purposes and then, yeah, then we had the the Raw Underground then we had the the that Almas and Montes for Garza and Dawkins which were two matches that don't deserve a lot of um, discussion. Well, we had a, a match set up for next week. Um, uh, uh, that was next week for SummerSlam. Seth Rollins and uh, Dominic Mysterio. So I, I would say this show was way more successful because it had great matches because it helped put a number of wrestlers to to continue their the development of their character it also helped re-establish the herd business it actually actually made people interested in stay, staying for the night because of underground and actually probably returning for next week because they want to see what is going to happen with the raw underground angle and really they had a lot of good segments, had good matches to start the show. So it had it had some some good wrestling. So so this is the this is the what separates. They also set up good match for next week, ba Bailey and Asuka, and that's what separates really the two shows. I just I talked about it. Not not not. Uh, there is no reason to just uh, squandering on and on. Now off to the big leagues, at least in my opinion, because AW has has been kicking bo both shows' asses and it's not terribly close, even even compared to Raw. Now we had how how many matches is that? The five, the twelve uh, man tag, best friends or Santana Ortiz. What else? What else? The the cha world championship match, the TNT, uh, not TNT, but but Cody and Cardona versus the Dark Order. Uh, Big Soul and Reba. This is not a, this is not something. Yeah, but the other but the other four matches, especially the two opening matches, especially the five way and the World Championship match, and overall they have a lot more wrestling, a lot more good wrestling, a lot more focus on the matches. A lot more storytelling in their matches as well as well as after their matches. Very very rarely do we do we see a non-clean finish in a match. It just it's it's like it, it doesn't it sounds really strange. I, I just brought around they had good some good matches and say for another show that didn't have good matches. It really isn't about one show, it's about a trend and this mat this show was stacked 
it had it it had it was promoted well from last week to draw good numbers it beat again at in the mid 30s in the key demo uh, over 900,000 uh, viewers total so it so it definitely kept people interesting it, it is because the because of that trend to focus on on quality matches to to tell us to tell more most of the stories through the match to have um, big um, cliffhangers happen during or after the match and ju just focus on having a good match while really expanding the storyline and in um, uh, unlike Smackdown mostly but Raw also um, and also we had a debate between um, Jericho and um, and Orange Cassidy, which had Eric Bischoff appear as a special guest moderator, which was really an amazing debate because you had both superstars were in their uh, were pretty much in their in their character. Didn't see something that would be against the storyline. Didn't see Cassidy talking too much, but when Jericho fucked up, uh, fuck, uh, fucked with him. He actually, we had a we had a really great moment, which wasn't just um, funny. It was really like um, it really hyped their match next week. Although he didn't he didn't talk for the most of the debate as expected. When Jericho fucked with him, he went on and he defended his yard. So that was really really well made. It made Jericho look like a fool, which, which is good because it establishes, which establishes Orange Cassidy. In addition to him, also winning the the debate, and Jericho going crazy. That's really, it's really they've been they've been making some great um, the AW. They're making some great work. They've been doing some great work, establishing Cassidy as a as a legitimate star. In terms of capabilities, in terms of where he stands on the, in the on the AEW storyline hierarchy, and capitalizing over his popularity, and it just goes to show that they've been uh, learning from other companies' mistakes, and they are because they they are in a relatively great situation compared to when TNA started, when the other promotion started, because. They have the biggest stars of the India in oh my god in the independent industry, which means that most of the stars aren't past, past their prime. Most of the stars are in their prime, so they come come in needing to needing to just put on good matches between anticipated um, uh, anticipated and popular. Stars of the, of the indie indie wrestling scene in the short term, and really leaving the work for establishing stars in the long term. They've showed that they're gonna do it sooner rather than later. So that that will probably mean that they have that they will have a um, uh, 
see we'll see the scene shake up soon. They'll have new stars that are gonna draw pretty well and Darby Allen has been amazing, Orange Cassidy on and on. The roster is terrific. And yeah, they've been they've been also building stars through wrestling so so they, they, they are they, they are pretty they've been pretty solid. Even after the even after the empty arenas after the arenas went empty. So so that's it pretty much. You don't need to be a uh, to be a surgeon or whatever. You don't need to be super smart to know that AW was above both shows and has been for months, months and months. So this is this about it. Twenty minutes on the wrestling reviews and don't go away because next up we have wrestling again and we're gonna be uh, having a we're gonna be probably reviewing the history the the path of MLW Fusion next up on the last man standing podcast with me Peter Sano Okay, so continuing, I'm really, I'm really glad we reached that that point of the show because I've been waiting that for a long time since I've ever thought about establishing the, the podcast, which was gonna feature a more personal approach to to what kind of things I'm gonna cover and how I'm gonna covering them. It was gonna be from the sports I I cover, the sports I follow, and it's gonna be hot, hot, hot topics were hot for me. I think I can, uh, which I think I can go full out on, and this is one of the first things I thought about when when I when I was thinking about wrestling, is about how about I do a show's overlook, but not just talk about wrestling, but talk about how it has impacted the the its structure, of course, uh, how it has impacted the company's development from all kind of circumstance. I know about I don't know I know that. In, for most companies, we don't have uh, financial uh, reports, earning reports, because they're not because only WWE is a uh, privately traded company, uh, 
what, what, what the hell am I talking? Right. A publicly traded company. The others aren't obligated to release their earnings reports. They're not obligated from the law to release their earnings report. Uh, but uh, it's still, it, it's it, you see, if they if, if, if those companies aren't an, uh, a TNA level of of dumb, which the company we're going to talk about certainly is, it's led by a lot of smart people, especially the one at the, at the top. Um, but it, the structure is enough to know if the company could be profitable, uh, if it's not TNA 2008 to 2013 level of stupid. So. This week's show, well, since I'm gonna talk about less shows, I'm probably gonna uh, not gonna say, not gonna have that every week. But since now is the, the the pilot special episode, it just makes sense that we do it uh, right now. This week's show, one which I've really enjoyed uh, watching ever since I I actually got to watch a few episodes live after I found it, after I returned to to watching wrestling before the, the pandemic shit. Uh, it's ML, MLW Fusion. You probably know uh, why. Why am I teasing it since I since I promoted it? Well, one can only uh, one can only wonder. So, Major League Wrestling. How 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 this how did this all uh, capitalize? So, Major League Wrestling was originally by was originally found founded by uh, by former WWE employee Cord Bauer. WWE writer Carl Bauer. It was established in in, uh, in in Philadelphia. It was short-lived. After two years, it closed out. It had a had that show, which you may have heard of, which is called MLW Underground, airing on the Sunshine Network in 2002 to 2003, uh, uh, which they're actually re-airing right now on Bean Sports and on YouTube. Uh, it was it was mostly uh, extreme type of matches. A lot of people compare, were comparing it to ECW, uh, but uh, uh, but after those two-year period which saw them be successful, people realized that and they actually curb-stomped curb themselves because they didn't create stars. And that's that's always the the problem promotions have. They have, they start off really hot, they have, they have complete stars, they don't have to do that much of um, to involve all that many uh, mechani mechanisms to build stars to tell to tell stories through the matches as well as actually prioritizing the matches because that's what people want to watch and that's how stars get uh, get get more closer to the top. Um, and even if you put on a good matches. If you have zero way of building your stars, and those matches feature mostly stars, because it's all it, it's it's been that, that's been told a lot in wrestling. I heard I think I heard it in uh, I, I I read it actually because it was a book. It was the death of WCW. By by yeah, uh, you know, and it said something like uh, yeah, it was I, I was. Uh, thinking about who uh, Brian Alvarez, but I don't remember the other guy who wrote. Um, said something like, in wrestling, you know, you have you can have stars ranging from 18 to 60 even you know, years old. So it, it'd be tough to find a guy at 60 years old who is still good in the ring, 
and especially the one who is good by today's standards, by today's kind of technical uh, uh, flying over unresting. But still, it's it's not it's not what derives that it's not what uh, really really creates that kind of separation. Uh, it's not about their actual age wrestlers, it's about their TV age, it's about how wa how worn out they've been on that kind of a show or how they they it can be about their character, it can be it can be worn out in other in other environments, in other companies, in other shows, which you have no control of. So they had created star, they have they had uh, old stars. They actually had Seibu, Terry Funk, Shane Douglas, and Steve Curran, all of which were, they were particularly stars of the early to, to, to mid-90s. Seibu was in EC, he was a big deal in ECW, obviously that was the late 90s. Shane Douglas, he was, he was more of mid-90s to 96, 97, I'd say. Uh, and Terry Funk, he, he, he was. Um, at the end of, uh, really at the end of his career, uh, then. So, it, it, it they got worn out. They didn't establish new new faces. So people d decided that they were they weren't gonna watch them because it, like, because those kind of uh, wrestlers, they don't have good matches anymore after they get worn out. So it becomes. Uh, so the the factor of something new, the factor of them watching the show because it's something new, and now that it isn't something new, it doesn't stand out anymore. It's just a wrestling show with bad matches, with old wrestlers, worn out wrestlers. So Underground TV ran between uh, April the 7th, 2003, February the 4th, February 14th, 2004. And then in March, yeah, the following month, they close operations, they stop promoting shows, and it really is pro it's probably the, the move by Kurt Bauer to not close the company altogether, but to use it in other functions that probably was, uh, the, the, that was probably pretty important for, for the promotion returning 15 years, uh, not 15, but to, uh, 13 years later, because it was used, it had a radio network. It, it, it returned 2011, doing podcasts with a lot of stars professionally. Uh, uh, yeah, it was about it. But he used it in a kind of he he, prom he was he also used it to uh, promote other company shows in Philadelphia, where it was based, because it was mostly a, so for the bigger part, it was mostly a original type of pretty much indie network because it was it was founded in two in pretty in a pretty uh, tough period for wrestling after the death of WCW and ECW and TNA which was wasn't in the map yet so they, they kind of it was kind of a monopoly time so it was it was pretty pretty difficult to to uh, to ele elevate a show from an other kind of company to really get uh, to really get good um, to get good uh, develop developing or yet to, to get developed 
Um, the wrestlers who can be potential stars because it was almost like WWE had a monopoly. And you know, the TNA started with mostly veterans, uh, people who weren't veterans, but obviously had bad relations with WWE, like Jeff Jarrett, for 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 instance, and also young stars who were nobody in ECW or WCW before those two promotions closed. Obviously AJ Styles that kind of a starting off he was in two thousand one he was part of that. Um Air Air Raid or whatever it was called, he was called Air Styles. And then because uh, they had a couple of good matches but yeah AJ Styles was still too young to um to be something, to be a star. He was he was too He's, uh, he was too unpolished and whatever. And if he had debuted three years three years earlier in 1998, he would have probably been WWE, and, so, and he probably wouldn't have became the greatest indie wrestling, the greatest okay, he, he, not indie wrestling, but the greatest star uh, to the greatest star outside of the WWE until he made his WWE debut in 2016, obviously. Well, MLW was that without the, the young, unpolished wrestlers. It had just had the veterans who were interesting to watch without uh, uh, after a year. They had some interesting, uh, interesting Japanese star, but yeah, watch Underground for yourself and you'll, you'll see it all. Uh, so, Court uh, Bauer brought it back 2017 with a sh with a show called One Shot, I think. I'm not sure if that um, if that show is on YouTube, but I know that there one of the next shows is on YouTube. I'm not mistaken, which one was it? How how was how what was the name of the show? Never say never. I think that's I think that's gotta be the name. I'm, I'm, I think I'm just I'm just throwing throwing it right now. But uh, more importantly, they signed, uh, which is which is. It's strange to see because in the meantime, uh, AW had to hold a couple of shows. I think they had to hold at least one show. It also had to uh, to, to rely on the success of Owen a couple uh, couple of months uh, earlier to actually convince TNT that it's worth something. NWA Power, meanwhile, didn't get a TV deal at all. And MLW gets a deal with being sports mm, without running, uh, without running, without okay, with running just one show, they get a multi-year uh, television deal with being sports, which is that network, which is not really had doesn't really have a big established place on the uh, U.S. cable television landscape. It, it broadcasts the La Liga, I think. It broadcasts European soccer, broadcasts some college football, but, uh, but it's from uh, lowly watched um, conferences, FCS conferences, Division Two conferences in, in the NCAA, some basketball, I think, but that's about it. So the end of multi-year television deal and really pays off. Talk about risks. And talk about people believing, uh, people in television industry believing in wrestling. It probably has more to do with with companies 
with cable networks and even not non-sports uh, cable networks uh, realizing how important live or at least original sports like coverage is for them which, which is probably what derived that interest in wrestling from from TNT and from Fox for Smackdown and from Beansport talk about risks right there with Fusion where it goes on to pay off, to pay off. before I talk about wrestling part because I'm, because I'm in that kind of territory right now we have a couple of instances yeah. about because you know the 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 all the sources we have television ratings they don't often they have a top 50 for example show Buzz Daily they have a top 50 of the day's cable television uh, shows but the fact is that since this top 50 uh, unlike their ratings uh, release for the, the broadcast networks their Cable, cable 100, uh, 150, uh, 150, top 150 uh, list features shows from all over the, not just from the prime time, but from all over the day. So you have shows from the news networks and from ESPN and the bigger uh, networks. Morning, afternoon news shows outdrawing really by a lot. Uh, other cable networks like Bean Sports. Bean Sports is a part of Nielsen. AXS wasn't until recently, but you still don't. It's still pretty, pretty difficult um, to get ratings from Impact, from MLW. Um, yeah, those, those are the promotions really, which are on US uh, cable networks. The only way probably is when somebody within the company releases it for uh, for some for some reason on. Social media and then wrestling sites write about it, which is the only way we, we can find that. So we can find that. Uh, Court Bearer, um, that was a, that's pretty recent. That's from April the eighth. He says that Mass Warner versus MGF loser leave MLW match, which also available on YouTube. Um, we might want to watch. We might. Okay, we'll turn to that later. He, it was the third highest rated broadcast. And yeah, that, that Mass Warner is probably going to be an interesting piece uh, of the MOW landscape when it returns. Uh, he is part of the top and uh, third best rated broadcast in MOW uh, fusion history. Also, we had um, from February the 5th, 2020. Uh, NGF versus Verso versus Marshall Von Erich, uh, which was then the third highest show, which is now the fourth highest show probably. It was 232% over MOW's previous 96 week uh, average. That's also by MOW owner Kurt Bauer. Um, Deadline.com uh, that probably that's the that's the a better piece of information because it actually states numbers, although it doesn't state a real good um, source, which would be really helpful. Deadline.com, an article from January this year, states that um, MOW, which relies on realistic storylines that targets millennial Latino audiences, which we're going to get to that later. It's 
yeah, it's it's, for, it's also the focus in their uh, personnel group and uh, within the company. Currently airs weekly on Bean Sports in English and Spanish. The league showed growth at over 43% the total viewers from 2008 to 2019, and their weekly hour-long fusion series reached uh, reaches over two and a half million viewers on Bean Sports, which is mm, not which okay. It's, it's, this piece of information is more significant than the those tweets. It's less significant because total viewers are actually not what um, brings uh, ad revenue and TV deals uh, for a company, but it's actually the key demographic. Uh, that's what but uh, knowing that, knowing how much being sport is watched, because uh, within the TV ratings history, they, they tend to not uh, to not say, to not point out the key demo when it's a lowly watched show. So, total viewer, okay, let's say it, it corresponds, let's say the correlation is, is right. 43%, the total viewers, which is, which is um, pretty good for a rating for a company, which was also set, if I can find, if I, if I can find it, I just, for a, uh, okay, there it is for a network being sports which was down uh, which which the previous year was down fifty percent in total in in average in average primetime viewership. They had an average primetime viewership of seven thousand in two thousand eighteen. And uh, no matter how much it might have uh, no matter how much it might have, it, it could have gone up in 2019, still probably around 10%. In the meantime, MOW is up massively, 43%, which is already the, the impressive piece of stuff here. somehow get to ratings which are somehow now a relevant topic which is pretty strange in 2020 people are talking about ratings um, at the same time uh, at the same time ratings are probably uh, kind of interesting they've always been interested when you compare two things which are going on at, at the same times which are a competition we know the, the greatest periods of television have been based on uh, on, on competition between shows, between even organizations, between networks, of course, always, especially on cable. Uh, the, the 90s are a great example with the Monday Night Wars and, uh, and so this kind of stuff, even now with the Wednesday Night Wars. At the same time, ratings are, are, are probably the most meaningless they've ever been. In what N Nielsen has uh, tracked um, ratings for for 80 years, for, for 75 years, something like that, um, and they are, well, it's that, it's not that, it, it's, we now have the least amount of people um, watching television, because that's simply not true, uh, probably in the first couple of decades of 
of television, of broadcast television, there are probably fewer people. I mean, the United States had a, a, a uh, fewer people of, uh, of, popula of a population, um, but they, but uh, television viewerships, television audiences have never dropped at a higher rate because of streaming, because of, um, oh, apart from the fact that today's uh, the emerging generation, whatever whatever it's called, uh, not only is it te tech savvy, but it's also uh, probably has some kind of a choice. It has some kind of individualism, invi individualism uh, when it comes to selecting what they're watching at any time. Um, but uh, so ratings, which with every year, because it's really one would not say that. Uh, into uh, this year and next year's ratings, the landscape is so different, but it's really, really, really is a lot different, considering how rapidly the amount of cable subscribers and even broadcast television viewers uh, are are decreasing. But every time when there's either a controversy or there's a competition in sports in, in the in the in the general four leagues or five leagues in the America. Uh, it's usually now ratings get in the spotlight due to, um, to when there are controversies. Remember the NFL. We're gonna get we're gonna get to that a little bit later on. Um, uh, which is which is kind of unhealthy because people tend to forget. Um, Really, te uh, natural television, uh, natural phen phenomenon, phenomena when it comes to television ratings. On, on the other hand, um, uh, we already talked about uh, the competitive, about the great periods when there have been com competition, um, mostly in mo more different types of. I'll give wrestling as a good example, but also in shows in in, in in shows scripted shows which are the same genre of course across the four networks or of course the other network the, the cable networks um, are, are are kind of common but 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 this, this one really is uh, because of uh, controversy and we would I really like to kind of break it down to provide why I think that but I still think this is gonna happen so there has been one interesting article, article, which which is probably not only the the topic of it is interesting, but also the 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 position uh, expressed in the article is interesting because you're not going to see that in many um, in many other on, on many websites uh, on on the World Wide Web. Uh, it's more it's it's, it's uh, probably you're going to see on a lot of websites. It's probably covered by a lot of media, a lot of News website, but it's. I think it's. It started in in uh, in Breitbart.com, uh, and it's and it goes like it goes like this: ratings crash for NBA MLB after protest field debuts, and it pretty much in the article it uh, it states uh, it states that the the main cause of the fuck of the uh, of the drop in the ratings and in the viewership, which are which. I like I like you guys to remember that those are two different things, and we're gonna discuss that. We're maybe gonna get that uh, in a minute or so. Um, the drop is caused by, by the protest in the leagues and its players supporting Black Lives Matter, 
and other guys and other, other other similar stuff which 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 I not it's not just that I don't necessarily disagree with but I I, I, I can I can say I agree with that but uh, maybe this is not a, a great example the situation will not, is not a great example and I'm gonna uh, tell why so it points out the ratings on on the two opening nights in MLB and NFL uh, NBA opening night was uh, this past Friday I think which was July 31st if I'm not mistaken which is which is kind of uh, about nine days before the date you're probably gonna be here here uh, uh, listening to this MLB was about a, a, w a week earlier or something like that so two games for both uh, leagues on two sim two networks which are probably similar in um, in viewership in 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 viewership in, in popularity let's say in, in how popular they are on on cable and both are cable networks that's also uh, important so the NBA had two games Los Angeles Lakers Los Angeles Clippers uh, 3.4 million this is actually the the game that was postponed because of that was it was originally it was said to be played on February the, f the first oh no it was set to play on uh, February the 7th or 8th it was postponed because of the uh, because of the death of um, Kobe Bryant then it was postponed because of the the pandemic so uh, it's six six months uh, later than it was originally scheduled uh, Pelicans uh, Pelicans and Utah Jazz 2.1 million and then the MLB had two games um, Yankees Nationals 4 million viewers and Dodgers Giants 2.8 uh, million viewers both uh, both are I think both nights were up from, from uh, compared to last year and now let's let's get to the next uh, set of ratings which is the next which is the uh, yeah the next I, I think that would be the next day of games which have kind of have more games NBA has still two, two games but uh, MLB has three games and so on Mets Braves have uh, 922 uh, viewers Brewers and Cubs 1 million sharp this th those are games are uh, by the way they are 4 p.m. 7 p.m. and a 10 p.m. game Angels Athletics which uh, I think ended in a walk-off was the highest rate of the of the night uh, nearly eight nearly uh, 800 uh, thousand uh, viewers and the NBA had July 31st Celtics Bucks which is uh, well most of the games are showdowns between some of the best teams because you know they've caught uh, the worst thing to have um, 1.3 million and uh, Dallas and Houston at 9 p.m. Uh, 1.7 uh, 1.7 million. Uh, well, well, well. Uh, setting aside the fact, uh, setting aside the, the comparison, why the NBA ratings uh, seem more consistent when it comes to the the correlation between the early and the late um, uh, uh, the, the time slots, because that's really a that's really a matter of. Uh, what time of the what time of the of the prime time uh, th this event is scheduled on? But th that's not important here. It's important that uh, what made headlines was the steep decline between the first 
between the first um between the first night and the second night or whatever the fuck um and i have to say this that that is not a good example of why the ratings are dropping due to protests or whatever um because if you remember that this is this is a really uh, this is something that happens on a regular basis on television. Across television, it's, it's a normal thing. Uh, I'll give you two examples. XFL, last year, uh, it's not last year, it was February. It started in February, it was two months before it, no, it was a month and a half before it uh, got killed. Uh, it started with ratings in the 4 million range or something, which was at least close to 4 million. And by, by week 4 or week 5, it was already um it was already hitting the um okay broadcast tv it was hitting probably the 1.5 million range it was hitting the under 1 million range but that was on fox sports one which is probably the, the least popular network of the of the four networks or the five networks which broadcasted uh, which broadcast uh, xfl another example of that is AEW Dynamite on TNT which started off with two consecutive shows which was the the debut the debut editions of, of Dynamite of a show of even a promotion that's that that's completely new it was actually for it it had um, existed for four months Okay, it had existed for nine months. Its first shows was four months ago or something like that. Um, and it hit uh, above. Uh, it had stars. That, that's that's that, that's something that cannot be declined. Um, it it hit over a, over a million in, the, in its first two shows. Then it um, it got to it it dropped to about the eighth eight hundred k range after a few months then it got a lot better to the ninth 950k range before crowds um, ceased uh, ceased to exist uh, stopped to exist and uh, then <coughs> uh, then that that's that's when ratings across all sports started to drop others were expected to drop um, but but you still see that it was never uh, it was it was never hitting the the that range it, it hit it in the in its debut edition it's exactly the same in most uh, in, in most big shows uh, where have on its debut because of because of probably it maybe it's it's probably the way it's promoted that it uh, that it's that it's uh, absolutely high hype based expectation based from uh, a matter of uh, promoting uh, it, it's pretty you can make a mistake there if you promote well uh, you're gonna have anticipation and uh, well we can't say that AW hasn't uh, uh, hasn't made its mistakes on, on dynamite it's been mostly good uh, but uh, you see it's natural for it to drop because uh, probably just more people are watching the debut edition and probably even people who are not racing fans they're and they're not willing to watch it and w whatever it is it's a phenomenon which cannot be declined and it's seen right here as well it dropped the, the, well compared to the, the two primetime games in the MLB dropped uh, by 
by three fourths uh, actually by by three million from four million to one million in the NBA it was about uh, yeah it was twice it was uh, the drop was by half from three point four million to one point seven million in the nine p.m. Uh, slot uh, so let me say why I think the the rating the ratings uh, why I think this this tr this uh, okay let's say why I think them going woke those leagues going woke um, will matter and when will it, when it will matter that's also something that's important to say um, you're gonna see eventually that. Um, that that people that that this kind of this kind of bullshit when they're sacrificing the, uh, when sacrificing quality for uh, whatever they call it but it's but it's uh, sacrificing quality for lack of quality and social justice uh, as Breitbart uh, say I quote social justice symbolism people people don't like normal people across the board whatever the vocal minority is. Normal people, the the average the average person, your average American, uh, really wants to watch something that 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 sticks to what the fuck it's doing and do it well and do it uh, do it in a in a really high quality way. Uh, and we really see we've seen we've really seen even now when sports are just in the beginning of their return, we've seen. Uh, uh, glimpses of, of, of why that's gonna happen I have a few uh, okay the, the first example is that probably the the um, the the drop for MLB especially for MLB is is too big uh, uh, considering that uh, it, it's opening it's still opening day and it's um, it, it's kind of um, but but to some extent that can be justified by the fact that uh, for, for 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 starters it was uh, it was it was better than last year uh, uh, it was better than last year apart from the primetime game actually the primetime game has declined from uh, 190 million to 100 uh, to 1 million 109 million uh, 1.19 million I I mean. Um, the the other t the, the the two other games have uh well have they have technically declined they have technically increased but uh, we've seen uh, people uh, people claim that it's not the numbers which the leagues would would like to have but it kind of makes sense because um uh, because uh, you know for 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 starters that three month, uh, uh, three month uh, pause in the season in delay, uh, kind of uh, usually uh, plays like plays as a uh, loss of momentum. Uh, apart from that, the the two games were were actually up. Uh, so this. Uh, doesn't um, although they were not opposed uh, they were not opposed to any kind of higher higher rated uh, higher rated shows and 
but at the same time a lot, a lot more people uh, are watching are watching news right now so uh, let's let's say we give them we give them pass uh, about that but although if if every if, if I mean MLB posts those kind of numbers uh, usually on um, you post those kind of numbers uh, around around uh, August, and you you'd expect for a a pre uh, for a unique opening day, uh, which uh, which 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 uh, puts uh, games that have big market teams and we have uh, considerably close which are considerably close games um, would be would have a higher number than uh, than probably last year's um, um, uh, I'm, what I meant to say is that the, the Mets Braves game for example I think I, I, my logic is that it would um, it would get some kind of momentum to be closer to usual primetime uh, ratings uh, but uh, seeing as to how the, the primetime game dropped uh, that makes it kind of uh, disappointing. I mean, sometimes when you have a, you're up in the ratings, and you're still disappointed because you're set up for a lot more. But okay, give it pa give them pass for that because loss of momentum because of the delay. Uh, but there's another thing, which is partly connected to the summer to the summer camp games and all that. That doesn't mean as much as usually usually ratings mean. But let me just find it real quick. Um, and despite the fact that it's, it, 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 it has a delay, it's still somewhat, um, uh, it's still, it, it's still, you know, because, bec because it's unique, you'd expect that, uh, they would gain something, some kind of leverage, the other two games which are outside of prime time, and it would be closer, uh, be in a usual prime time range with the, with uh, the primetime game not necessarily uh, with the primetime game okay, being higher for example but same it, it, the same um, which, which makes it kind of uh, which, which makes it very disappointing very disappointing uh, not just because it's a drop because of, of where the ratings uh, stand okay let okay, I found it uh, so it's it's connected part to the MLB and the MLS, um, so it was that's from Sunday, July twenty first, I think. It's gotta be it. Uh, ratings are provided by Showbuzz Daily because I have to uh, cite a, 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 a source. So the MLB White Sox Cubs game in prime time. That's very important. Not, not, uh, so we have three games I'm gonna mention. There, one game, one is ESPN. Uh, the other, the other is also ESPN. The other is NBCSN. So there is no, uh, no, no, not that big of a difference as to how much households those networks are available to. And the only thing, so you, only thing you have to bear in mind, apart from the fact what kind of event, apart from the, uh, the type of event, is the time slot. And this is where it gets pretty shocking. That, that, that's even before. Uh, that's even th that is when the 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 protesting started. Um, so we had White Sox and Cubs in prime time. It had a, a 0.18 rating uh, in the 1849 demographic. 
alongside a 525k uh, uh, viewers. Leicester and Tottenham from the English Premier League. It was an 11 a.m. game uh, in the in the morning, in the morning in the in near the uh, lunchtime, whatever you want to call it. 0 0.22 rating, uh, 557k viewers. And if if you think that disappointing because you know it's it's MLB even even though it's a summer camp game it's MLB in the it's in America uh, any kind of it's it's historically proven over over 75 years that that any kind of um, American produced or show which is in English and doesn't have uh, uh, I'm talking about the other departments of television obviously. Uh, it doesn't have any kind of subtitles or whatever. Will draw will draw a lot more viewers to an American television network than than a uh, show that's produced uh, from a non-English speaking country and uh, from a for a sporting event for a sports event. Uh, it's a an event which is produced outside of um, America. Almost always draw uh, a lot worse than an event that's held in America, despite the fact that. Even 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 if both events don't have uh, crowds, because crowds are not really different to the places, so it's really the location and the fact that the pe the, the 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 two um, the fact that the two events are are uh, one is a lot a lot closer to the to the targeted audience, uh, and and also the fact that. It's it's in the morning. The other one is the prime time, the the part of the day where which is supposed to be the most watched on television. And Leicester and Tottenham draw better. And if you think that's shocking, just wait and hear Formula One, which was 9 a.m. on ESPN, draw 1.20 rating and a 703k viewers, which is almost uh, 200 200,000 viewers more than the MLB summer camp game in prime time and that's when th that is shortly after MLB decided that they're gonna have black ribbon uh, kneeling ceremonies on opening day and they got beat by Formula One Grand Prix in in, in Hungary in Hungary which is a 9 a.m. and doesn't have pretty much doesn't have any kind of um, something that would spark interest amongst the American, uh, the American audience. It doesn't have have America. It has an American team, but how much American is it? Uh, the is it really? Uh, there isn't the American driver. It's a really a one-side affair with Mercedes and Hamilton winning everything, and it's really a, a lot, a, a lot more, a lot, a lot less competitive when you compare it to NASCAR. And you see, it's draw. It, it beats um, MOB by what's that? Ten percent? Yeah, that's about ten. About uh, by about ten percent, and by about uh, two hundred thousand uh, viewers. And everybody who wants to see that, uh, who wants to see uh, the full, the full sized ratings, can go to my. Facebook account I have also on the MLB on, on the MLS game which was absolutely had an absolutely pathetic game as well as you know the screenshots of the of uh, the show was daily article uh, but you know th that is really pathetic because 
uh, apart from ha having the advantage of <coughs> excuse me having the advantage of of any kind of television rating phenomenon and also being produced in America uh, uh, unlike the other two shows and also um, drawing uh, uh, under one under under one million for two pretty pretty good opening opening day in games in with hard, high with uh, one one has to uh, big market teams the other one has two really playoff contenders and the, the highest of the, the other two that any of the three games uh, draws is one million and though I think even if that the opening day uh, opening day ratings are uh, are up it's really a disappointment and you know as I mentioned the the first that, that summer camp game after they uh, after they officially went woke is uh, beyond pathetic so I think the best uh, time to judge whether it really means uh, going broke for the leagues that will be uh, well probably the first I hope it's next year the first season when everything is back to normality uh, you're gonna see that uh, uh, well, pretty much it's just it's just like that because everything is drawing, everything is dropping uh, on on television across cable, across uh, broadcast. Uh, it would also be normal for the for sports to to be dropping in in uh, in a similar rate. Although sports have in the past few years have actually had seasons where the ratings were up, unlike anything else on TV. Anything else? I mean, like Game of Thrones was that up? I I don't watch. I don't uh, I I don't uh, follow the ratings there. But anything. I remember 2018 ratings across broadcast networks were down 12 percent. That was that was that, that was down. But that that's more than NL, than NFL was down du during the uh, the kneeling thing or or whatever it was. Their their largest drop in. I don't know how many. Probably it was the largest drop in history. Uh, the first season was eight percent. The other season was seven percent. But in 2017, the broadcast television was down twelve percent or something like that. Um, so it would be normal for for uh, for sports sports broadcasts to to, to be dropping at a, at a similar rate. But you you can definitely see that they might be drawing at a higher rate. Um, and this will definitely indicate that people